This is Calm and Cozy, episode 53. You're listening to the Calm and Cozy podcast. I'm Beth Wyatt, your insomnia, rest, and self-care coach. I'm also an artist, avid crocheter, expert napper, and occasional blogger. This podcast is full of practical advice for anyone looking for relief from insomnia symptoms, racing thoughts, and bedtime anxiety. I also cover general sleep topics, stress relief, and peaceful self-care rituals. If your life could use a little less busyness and a little more stillness, fill up your diffuser and find your coziest blanket because you're in the right place. This summer, the Common Cozy podcast is all about sleep disorders. I have some great interviews coming up with people who are living with common disorders like sleep apnea and rare disorders like exploding head syndrome. But first, this episode is sponsored by ZenBev. ZenBev is an all-natural, organic, and vegan powder drink mix that has been clinically proven to relieve anxiety and promote calm, restful, healthy sleep. ZenBev is available in chocolate and lemon flavor, is non-habit forming, and tastes great mixed with water, milk, or your favorite milk substitute. My favorite is the chocolate flavor in coconut milk. I just ordered another jar because I love to have it on hand for those times when my mind is feeling particularly busy. ZenBev offers free shipping worldwide, and you can save 10% off your order right now with the coupon code SLEEPCOACH10 at zenbev.com, that's z-e-n-b-e-v.com, or if you're American, z-e-n-b-e-v.com. Today's episode is an interview I did with Stacy Erickson Edwards, founder of CPAP Babes. Stacy is living with both sleep apnea and idiopathic hypersomnia, and I'm so grateful she was willing to be so open about her 18-year journey with exhaustion being misdiagnosed, and struggling to find treatments that work. Stacy, thank you so much for being on the Common Cozy podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm yeah. going to start yeah, with uh, getting you to do a short intro into who you are. Um, we're going to talk all about sleep disorders, but I want to know who you are when you're not the face of a sleep disorder, like who you are as a person. So as a person, I am... Gosh, 35 now, and mm-hmm. I live in Seattle. Uh, I live in actually a really small space. I live in a one-bedroom condo, and it's finally gotten too small. But uh, about, gosh, years ago, I started. Um, I left my full-time job, and I started a business as a professional organizer. Mm-hmm. So I still do that sometimes, but um, not so much anymore because what the reason I don't do it is because sometimes disorganized clients are really hard it's hard to get them to keep appointments. <laughs> so, um, but I do a little bit of that. I've done some cool stuff for that. Um, and I used to be really into organizing my house and I still am, but now that we've added the baby, it's too small. So we're trying, a big thing in our life right now is we're trying to, uh, sell our place and buy a new place. So that's been exciting. So, um, I also have a small like social media side business, and then my day job is I work as a nanny. So right now I have three different families that I've worked for, um, and I have a degree in early childhood education. So I'm very passionate about kids and 
I love them. I think they're science and magic at the same time. <laughs> um, and then I have my son who is 13, almost 14 months old now. And he is the best. Um, I sometimes I say he's the most anticipated baby ever because I wanted kids for so long and I just didn't think it would happen. I actually, when I was 30, I was single and I'd been single for years and years. And I said, well, never going to have kids, never going to meet a man. That's okay. So I started the process to become a foster parent. And then two weeks later I met my husband (laughs) and we decided, I said, well, can I still do this foster parent thing? And he's like, well, I mean, yeah, do whatever you want. I said, but are we pursuing a relationship? Do you want to have kids? This is like two weeks in. He's like, yeah, no, let's try it. So then eventually we got married and had a kid. So it's very, life has been very exciting these past five years. So I just kind of living the dream, finally having my family that I've always wanted and getting to spend the day with him. So as a nanny, he comes with me to work, which is amazing. Hmm. And um, I've just had some recent changes in my health that you'll learn more about um, just in the past month or so. So I'm feeling really good and very motivated and just ready to take on the world. So um, You have a lot going on. mm -hmm. And unfortunately, yeah, there's also some sleep disorder stuff. And I can say that it sounds exhausting. (laughs) I'm glad you're so you're so positive about everything going on, because I'm sure it's it's tough to have all all of the balls in the air. Yeah, and I I think it it motivates me even more to do this kind of work because because I wasn't taken seriously for so long. Mm. So now, like, I'm not big on giving people unsolicited advice because I hate it when people do that to me. (laughs) But I also try to do it in in a way that feels good. So if anyone I know, like, says, oh, I'm so tired, I say, oh, maybe you should get a sleep study just to rule everything out because I wish someone would have said that to me early on, you know, um, it's, it's so, so important. And it's, it's not taken seriously enough. Um, sleep, just even people without sleep disorders, you, you know, all this, I'm preaching to the choir. No, we want to hear it all. Yeah. Even when you don't have a sleep disorder, sleep is very important and undervalued. I really think it needs to be, I went to his first aid and CPR training about a year and a half ago and, the guy was doing the presentation. He's like, and you know what people have heart attacks because as a poor diet and exercise. And I was like, um, no. And sleep. (laughs) I really think if we're looking everyone, society is diet and exercise, diet and Mm. exercise. It needs to be diet, exercise and sleep because a lot of these heart problems and strokes can be totally caused or sleep apnea or poor sleep can Mm. contribute to that. So that's a, big thing for me and the funniest thing is this guy who's giving the presentation actually uses CPAP himself so I'm like come on dude you should know better <laughs> um, oh my goodness so, okay so yeah and I mean what I'm finding even the past month with these changes is I can take take care of myself so much better before mm. before I was able to treat my sleep issues I wasn't able to exercise because I was too tired. I wasn't able to eat right because I couldn't really prepare healthy foods. And now that's all changing. I'm able to do so much more because I'm getting the proper rest. Turns out I'm not just lazy. Go figure. (laughs) That's awesome. I just actually said the same words to somebody early in the week too. I'm going to be tired tomorrow anyway. I might as well just stay up till 3am. And I said, but I'm actually thinking the opposite about it. I'm thinking I need to make the most of the hours that I do have that I'm alert instead of yeah, dragging myself through my day and not getting anything done. I need to feel productive when I can. 
and I wasn't yeah. being productive before. Anyway, yeah. um, I mean, we talked about sleep apnea, but you are also diagnosed with I have, I have idiopathic. idiopathic hypersomnia, which is quite the interesting story. Oh, and quite uh, the combination, too. Let's start oh gosh, at yeah. um, when your symptoms started, about what age you were or what you were doing or when you noticed there was an issue. So I was 15. Mm-hmm. Um I, yeah, it was right around 15. It might have been a little bit earlier, but I was noticing in high, probably my sophomore year of high school, I was coming home from school and then I would just go to bed and I would sleep for like four or five hours, like right in the afternoon. And then um, usually I wake up for two hours and like eat and then I'd go back to bed. So I was doing this every single afternoon I could. And then my mom took me to the doctor and the doctor was like, oh, Let's tell, I don't know if you've done, this is just like repeated like every year for year after year. We'll test you for mono. We'll <laughs> test you for anemia and then we'll send you on your way. And oftentimes I was anemic. So I had to, you know, do that. I never got, I never tested mo- positive for mono, but then they're like, well, she's a teenager. Teenagers are just sleepy, <laughs> but I was so tired. I mean, I was just exhausted and. I remember I loved movie days because I would just sleep in class, you know, <laughs> like I would just put my head on the desk and sleep. Um, so that went on for a while. The other thing that I didn't realize was related, but um, it it is, is I have uh, hyperhidrosis, which is excessive sweating. I have which that is too. Not- I have- We're like I- twins. I- we have all the same issues. <laughs> did, you, did you know that that's related to IH? No. So, I mean, it's, I don't know, like, if it's proven, proven, but from what I've heard, um, the hypothalamus regulates your sleep and wake, your appetite, and your body temperature. And so a lot of people with IH or narcolepsy or hypothalamus isn't functioning properly. So, so you just, you're all over the place with, with body temp. So it's very interesting. So, um, so I had that really bad and it was really embarrassing for me. Um, oh. Uh, now I don't care because I'm old. I'm like, whatever, I sweat a lot. It's yeah. you know, I've owned it. <laughs> but um, but it was very, very embarrassing for me. I was really shy as a teenager, so um, that was no fun. So I just kind of thought it was normal teenage stuff. And then, so anyway, so when I was 15, it started. And then I kind of, it was just like, oh, it's normal. I lived my life. When I was 18, I moved from my hometown of Bellingham down to Seattle and I started working full-time at a Montessori school, and I was kind of just having the same thing. I would come home. I would sleep. I, my first year, I worked full-time. I, didn't, I took a, uh, some time off from school. After I, after I did that a, for a year, I decided to go back to school in the evening, so I would work during the day and go to school at night uh, a few nights a week. And I was always, always tired. So at the school, I would always um, nap on my lunch breaks. We had a futon in the break room. And then even sometimes if the kids were napping, if there was another teacher in the room, I would nap while the kids were napping if, like, if there was nothing to do, which is so unprofessional. But but I was really legitimately tired. So um, I saw several doctors over this time, and they're like, oh, well, you just work too hard. You're going to work. You're going to school. You work too hard. I'm like, okay, cool. (laughs) My favorite one is I went to this doctor. I only saw her once. She's like, well, you should just drink coffee. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, no, no. I didn't drink coffee at that point either, but I drank tea all day. So I drink coffee now. Um, So this went on for years and years and years and years and years. And finally, you know, I started to gain weight and not a ton, but enough, you know, and I, I wasn't able to properly care for myself. And 
Finally, when I was 31, so it was kind of the same thing over and over, like, oh, anemia, mono, we don't know. (laughs) And then at one point I went to a doctor and she screened me for candida, which is a yeast overgrowth. Mm -hmm. And I actually did have that. So I went on a diet and a very strict diet and um, felt better for a while, but Mm -hmm. then it kind of came back. So, or not that came back, but the tired came back. So there's several things I've tried. I've tried like anti-inflammatory diets. I've tried, you know, multi-level marketing protein shakes, all sorts of, you know, everything you could probably think of, all sorts of vitamins. So when I was 31, I went, and and the thing that kind of blows my mind is that I never knew, it never, ever crossed my mind that I could have sleep apnea, ever, ever, because sleep apnea is for big guys who snore, is what what the media has told us, right? right? My, my, husband, my husband has sleep apnea, and he's a big guy, and he snores really loud. And I was, I'm really ashamed of this now, but when I was having a hard time sleeping because he was snoring and I was like, but you don't want one of those machines. So we'll figure something else out because I'm an awful person, but I just didn't know. I think the sleep apnea education is just so bad. Um, I didn't know. I knew, I, I just thought, oh, sleep apnea is annoying snoring, but I didn't know it can affect your heart. Your, you know, I didn't know how severely it could affect your health. And how different it manifested in men and women. Women often, it can, they just, it presents differently. My husband was just kind of cranky, but like I was just exhausted, tired, sleeping all the time. So um, in 20, I, when I was 31, I don't remember what year that was, four years ago. Um, I went to my doctor who I had, who I'd been seeing for seven years. And I was like, convinced at this point, not that I had sleep apnea, but that I had narcolepsy. Mm-hmm. I had looked everything up. Um, and actually my grandma who died when I was little, she had narcolepsy and, um, I was like, okay. I, to my doctor, I said, I think I have narcolepsy and I think you need to give me Ritalin. <laughs> like Ooh. this is the conclusion I've come to. I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is what I've decided my treatment is. And she, she had seen me for seven years. She knew I wasn't drug seeking and I kind of leaned toward natural medicine some of the time, not all the time, but some of the time. So she knew that this, if I'm asking for Ritalin, that this was serious. <laughs> so she said, well, why don't we send you for a sleep study? And it never, I don't know why, but it never even crossed my mind because I guess, I don't know. I thought if I would have gotten a sleep study, they would have sent me years ago. So I said, oh yeah, no, that's a good idea. Let's do a sleep study. Yeah. So, Can I interrupt for a second? Ask, yeah. How was your sleep at night at that time? Like, were you so not making really, the, con- yeah, were you not making the connection because you thought, no, no, I'm a good sleeper. Yeah. That couldn't I'm a big, be it. And I don't okay. snore. Okay. And I'm, um, I'm overweight now, but I haven't always been overweight. So, and I'm not like really overweight, you know, I'm not like super big. So, um, so yeah, I just was like, well, I don't snore, so I don't have sleep apnea. Mm. So that was it. Uh, but my, my night sleep is I can sleep for, I could sleep for 18 hours, like nonstop, no problems. Like, and then take a three hour nap, <laughs> like easily. <laughs> So, um, so I went and got the sleep study and they actually did it wrong, but I will tell you about that in a minute. So I did the nighttime study and then I did a daytime study, which is called the MSLT. I don't, okay. you've, I know you've probably heard of it, Yes. but, um, the, I'll tell the people listening yeah. just in case. So they give you a series of five naps and you do the nighttime study the night before because they want to make sure you get good sleep the night before. And then you do a series of five naps about two hours apart. And they want to see how fast you fall asleep in the naps. Mm. So um, so usually you'll do a nap. You'll wake up at 6. You'll do a nap at 8 a.m., 10 a.m., noon, 2, 4. So I did, did the nighttime study, did that. 
it was hell. It was so mm-hmm. hard. It was, you know, cause you, you're in this dark room trying to stay awake <laughs> and you can't really, you can't, if you sit down, they're like, don't fall asleep. And you're like, eh. oh, no. So, um, it's, yeah, it's, I've done it three times now. So, so they just make um, you like walk around in circles for two hours. Well, I mean, I played on my computer. <laughs> oh, okay. So you can like, so, bring a hobby or people, something. Some, yeah. I think sometimes <laughs> they don't let you do that, which oh, okay. I get cause the light from the phone, but they oh, let me do it every okay. time. So that's fine. Okay. Um, so, so when I, I, so right after I had the sleep study, I didn't get my results for a couple weeks. And then I went to my best friend's wedding in California and it was like the most miserable trip ever. Mm -hmm. Like, even though I love her and the, the wedding was beautiful, I was so tired and I just felt like so sad because, you know, she had her wedding and I was just exhausted. And then we went to Disneyland the next day and I was just a wreck. Like we went and we paid however many hundreds of dollars it takes to get into Disneyland. <laughs> and then we just kind of had to leave because I had to go back to the hotel and sleep. I was mm. so tired. And my husband was cranky too because he, he had sleep apnea and wasn't mm. using his CPAP. And because I was dumb and was like, oh, you don't need a CPAP. So, um, so that trip. So I remember on the plane home from that trip, I was reading this like productivity entrepreneur book and it was like, list five th- things you you want to achieve and how you'll get there. And I just like looked at those and like, I can never, I can never get here. I can never get to these places until my, my sleep is figured out. I'm, I'm never going to achieve anything until my sleep is figured out. And it just broke my heart. Um, so I got back and I got my sleep study results back and they said, Oh, you have sleep apnea. And I, I was like, wait, what? And they're like, you have, you have sleep apnea. I'm like, no, what? <laughs> so, I, I I always joke that I was gonna I was gonna get my results and they would be like you're actually a cat so it's normal to sleep 18 hours <laughs> but no I had sleep apnea so I remember I looked at the machine and I was like I almost started to cry I'm like I have to wear that oh no I can't I can't do that and then I was like no I have to do this this is what I'm gonna do because I'm I'm desperate to feel better this is my life and this is what I'm going to do I am gonna wear a CPAP machine like that's it even though I totally wanted to cry because they're not cute. I think they're cute now, but I didn't that way. So they gave, so I went and they tried, I tried a couple different masks. I tried one. I wanted like the small, he's like, which one do you want? And I'm like, obviously the smallest one. And so there's one that goes up your nose. Like it's a nasal pillow, I think. And that one actually wasn't enough air. It was like the holes were too small. So I felt like I was suffocating. So I got one that went, goes over the nose and then I went home, and I woke up the next day, and I didn't really feel any different. But after three days, I felt totally, totally different. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is it. This is working. Yay. And I felt so much better. And just all these problems seemed to resolve that. Oh, good. Um, that, that I was like, wait, I have, you know, I have depression, anxiety. Oh, that's related to sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have. Um, all just all these things that I was realizing uh, I my blood pressure was always a little bit high and that's related to sleep apnea so that was really exciting and I remember the first Sunday it was four o'clock and my husband was in the office and I'm like hey do you notice anything different about me he goes I'm like it's 4 p.m. on a Sunday what's different about me he goes you're not asleep <laughs> so it was really really cool and exciting and then I was just like I was kind of embarrassed for a couple of days and then I started, then I took a picture, a selfie with it. And I'm like, I am a babe. I look like a babe. <laughs> and then, so then I just started posting these selfies on Instagram just to be fun. And then everyone started really liking them. I'm like, I think I'm just going to start like a, like a separate Instagram for CPAP babes. I think that'd be funny. <laughs> and 
I started doing that and it just kind of took off and because I just uh, think so many people just feel so isolated like oh I have to sleep with this machine and people liked it and I was able to connect with so many really cool people and so I definitely felt better but what I noticed is as time went on I definitely felt better. I felt, oh my gosh, way better than before. My face looked different because I was like so puffy before. Mm. And I didn't even really lose weight when I was, when I started CPAP, but it's just like my shape changed because I was so puffy from the not getting enough sleep. Um, But over time I was starting to get tired again. I was like, oh, what this is, what is this? So I went to my doctor. Well, first I realized, and a lot of people who use CPAP don't know this, but, um, they, most people get auto automatically adjusting machines now, and usually the range is set from five to twenty. So there's a range of five cent. It's five centimeters of water pressure per. I don't know, five to twenty. I'm just gonna say with an auto adjusting machine, everyone thinks, oh well, my machine auto adjusts, my pressure's right. But sometimes that range, the four to twenty or the five to twenty, is actually too wide. So you need to um, narrow your pressure range because in those low pressures, when it's adjusting to set every night, you're having more events and that's bad. So I um, adjusted my pressure range and then I did go back to my doctor. She says, oh, well, so we did the overnight study and we did the daytime study and it turns out you actually also have idiopathic hypersomnia and that means you're tired and we don't know why. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. But she didn't really explain to me what idiopathic hypersomnia was. She just said, we're tired and you don't know why. So I said, oh, okay, cool. So we're going to figure out why, right? (laughs) No, we don't know why. Bye. (laughs) Yeah, we don't know why. We're going to figure it out. Cool. So there's more things I can do. Okay, that's fine. But I was just continually tired, tired, tired. Um, I actually ended up after a while seeing like a psychiatrist who put me on modafinil, which is a, um, a wakefulness promoting drug. It's not supposedly not a stimulant but it's similar to a stimulant i took that for a while and it actually really helped for a while but i still sometimes kind of felt what my friend and i call i have another friend with ih we call it fake awake where you're just kind of awake but not but it it worked for about a year um then in gosh what year 2017 i got pregnant fine very easily which is very exciting um another thing that i think to note is that sometimes with sleep disorders um with sleep apnea specifically, it can affect your fertility for both men and women. Mm. So, um, so I had no problems getting pregnant. And also, I'm going to back up a little bit. After I had been on CPAP for a few months, my husband was like, came home and saw me cleaning behind the fridge, which I hadn't done in like the whole time we had been together. He goes, <laughs> "I need to get one of those machines." <laughs> so, so he got a machine too. So now we're both very religious. CPAP users and we're very cute. Um, <laughs> hashtag is happy couple. Um, so <laughs> That's awesome. we also, we did a commercial over the, the summer before I got pregnant for this travel CPAP machine. It's called the air mini mm-hmm. and they gave us these free air minis. It's, it's a machine. It's a, it's very small. It's about the size of a cell phone, but I was trying to prepare for going to the hospital to have my baby. This is about February and my baby was due in May. And I went to, I was like, you know what, I need to adjust my pressure. I'm going to bring my air mini to the hospital and I needed to adjust the pressure on it, but I didn't know how. So I was like, you know, I'm going to go see a new sleep doctor because you're not really supposed to adjust your sleep pressure on your own. Hmm. Like I've done it. I've totally done it, but you're not supposed to. (laughs) So, um, so I said, I can't figure this out. So I took it to the doctor, this new doctor. And I thought he was just going to be like, here's how you adjust, adjust the pressure by, but he blew my mind. This doctor is amazing. I love him. Go see him. He's a 
his Dr. Walia. Um, and he, he says, well, I looked at your sleep study and they did it wrong. Hmm. You, I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, they, they didn't do that right. You, we need to do another sleep study when you're, after you have your baby. I'm like, what? Are you sure? <laughs> he says, well, you could still have narcolepsy. I'm like, what? So he said, if you, what they're supposed to do is they're supposed to do the overnight sleep test. And if you have sleep apnea, they're not supposed to do the daytime test. Because sometimes undiagnosed sleep apnea or untreated sleep apnea can make your daytime test inaccurate. Mm -hmm. So, um, because obviously, so at this daytime study, even though I still have my age, it wasn't accurate because I should, you should do the nighttime study. If you have sleep apnea, treat the sleep apnea and then make sure that's not causing mm-hmm. fatigue. So you should do a follow-up daytime sleep study on your CPAP once your CPAP therapy is steady. So, because they want to make sure that it's not sleep apnea that's causing your fatigue, which makes sense, but I had no idea, which mm-hmm. makes me really not like this first doctor because she should have known that, you know? So he said, um, you still could have narcolepsy. Why don't, you know, have your baby come back after a couple months and we'll do another sleep study. And I said, okay, cool. So that actually was a huge relief. Um, and at that point I started doing a little more research into idiopathic hypersomnia and narcolepsy. And I'm realizing they are pretty similar and idiopathic hypersomnia means we don't know why and we may never know why. Mm. And, you know, and there's not necessarily a cure and, I'm like, okay, so this is actually, and of course, I'm like seven months pregnant. I'm like, oh, cool. This is actually like a chronic condition that may never be resolved. Cool. (laughs) Um, And I'm pregnant. But honestly, nothing would have stopped me from having kids. So I would have done it (laughs) knowing that not. But um, so at that point, I actually went and I did genetic testing from 23andMe um, Mm. because I wanted to see if I had narcolepsy genes. And my grandma had narcolepsy. And actually, I do. So I thought that was interesting. Um, so I have my baby and then one of the things with a daytime sleep study also that, um, they, some people don't tell you is that you need to be, get off all, all wakefulness promoting medication and you need to get off antidepressants. And I take an antidepressant, um, antidepressants can actually suppress REM sleep. <laughs> so what you're looking for in that daytime nap study is you want to see how fast you fall asleep and how fast you go into REM sleep. But if you're taking an antidepressant, sometimes you can't get that REM sleep and you need to go into REM sleep twice to get a narcolepsy diagnosis. That's why you had to have 14 sleep studies. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I knew that going into my second one, but because I had, I had um, gestational diabetes with my pregnancy and then I had to get induced and I had to have all these non-stress tests. So I had met my out-of-pocket maximum uh, that year. So I said to the doctor, it's going to be really hard for me to get off these antidepressants can we try a sleep study on the antidepressants? Um, and then if I don't get the answer, I will do it off. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so I did the sleep study on the antidepressants and I had no REM sleep. So of course I had to redo it, but that was a risk I was willing to take. And then um, I, I had a sleep latency of about five minutes. So that means the sleep latency is they want to see how fast you fall asleep. So I think 12 minutes or under or 10 minutes or under is a sleep disorder. And I was falling asleep in five minutes. So that's not good. They said, Oh, you have IH. I'm like, Oh yeah, cool. I know. (laughs) So, um, and I know what that means now. So I did that. And then I waited a couple months and then I said, okay, now I I wanted, I really want to try to see if I can get this narcolepsy diagnosis because with a narcolepsy diagnosis, you have 
better options for medication, including mm-hmm. this medication called Xyrem, which is uh, so works the best for people with narcolepsy. So went off the antidepressants, not fun, because if you've ever taken them, it's very hard to get off of them, very hard to get off of them. But I did it, and I survived, and it was just, you just feel really yucky for a couple weeks. And I did the sleep study, and I got my results, and I said, you still don't have narcolepsy, but your sleep latency, in this case, your average on the five naps is 90 seconds. So I would go to sleep and fall asleep within 90 seconds. Wow, that's that's tired. (laughs) <laughs> That's really tired, uh, you know, and I was 100% compliant with CPAP, so it wasn't due to sleep apnea. It was just, I was freaking exhausted. So I said, okay. So and that doctor is amazing. And I said, so I can't get this, this Zyrum without an narcolepsy diagnosis. He's like, no. And I'm like, ugh. So I started taking, and the, at this point, especially after I had my baby, modafinil wasn't working at all anymore. So I was just kind of a wreck, and I was taking Ritalin, but, it, I, you know, I could take 20 milligrams of Ritalin and take a nap. Hmm. And at this point, it's pretty depressing because I want, you know, I have this really amazing baby and I want, and he's becoming very active. Oh, he's all over the place. He wants to go out and do stuff and I'm just too tired to move a lot of days. Hmm. So I, so I'm like, you know, I'm going to figure this out somehow. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to live with my IH diagnosis. So I, I really liked my doc, my doctor that I was seeing, but he was kind of far away. So I went in the idiopathic hypersomnia support group on Facebook and I said, is there anyone in Seattle who has a doctor who is a little more familiar with experimental medications for idiopathic hypersomnia? Because there's a number of medications that people have found luck with. Xyrem is one of them. Um, Flumazanil, Pitalosant. There's a whole bunch. I have a whole list. I can't pronounce any of them, obviously. <laughs> but um, so I brought. So someone said, "Yeah, I have this doctor. I have IH, and he gave me a, a Xyrem prescription." And I was like, "Oh." I'm going to go see him. And I actually know a sleep tech that I met on Instagram who worked for him and said he's very good. So um, so I go in there with my little list of medications, and I was like, hey, can we try all these? And he's like, honestly, all of these may or may not work. He says, the one that will probably work is Xyrem, and your insurance is not going to cover up. Mm. Because you don't have an epilepsy diagnosis. I'm like, uh, I said, well, what about the assistance? There's an assistance program. He said, you make too much money for that. And I'm like, well, we don't make money. But I mean, we (laughs) were very like middle class, which in Seattle is poor because it's so expensive to live here. So I was like, okay. And he said, you could check with, you know, a couple organizations. I'm like, okay, cool. But I said, but you could give it to me. It's just, it can't get paid for. He's like, no. So Zyrum is actually $15,000 a month. Oh and there's no gosh. generic uh, 15,000. So of course people talk about the assistance program all the time in the narcolepsy group that I'm in. I'm like, you know, so I gave him a call. I'm like, Hey, how do I get this assistance program? I, I'm, do I really make too much money? And they said, well, so what you need to do is you need to have your doctor submit the Xyrem to insurance. And if they deny it, then he needs to submit again with a nice appeal letter. If they deny it again, then you can apply for assistance. I'm like, tight. Hey, send it over. Okay. <laughs> so he sends it over. They deny it. He sends it again with a nice appeal letter. They take a month to deny it. Hmm. Um, but they finally deny it. I was like, thanks. I don't care. <laughs> that gets me gets me more along in the process. And then I sent all my information to the Zyrem. Rem, it's called the Zyrem REMS program. I don't know if REMS is just a cute acronym for something, but it's assistance. <laughs> they said, yeah, you're good. We'll, we'll send you your first shipment. I was like, what? 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 No way. No way. I was just. <laughs> so happy because 
I had heard about this drug for so long. I was a little nervous for a couple reasons. It's actually, it's very controversial because it's actually, when you after you take it, it converts to GHB in your body. I think that's the science. I'm not sure. But it's essentially uh, the date rape drug. But so it's a little controversial because of that. And then um, it's pretty regimented. You have to have very good sleep hygiene. You have to go to bed at a certain time, take it. And then four hours later, you have to wake up in the middle of the night and take a second dose um, because it only lasts in your body for four hours. Um, You can't drink alcohol. If you do decide to drink alcohol, you have to skip your dose for the night. Or you can drink it like have one drink at 4 p.m., no, you can have two drinks at 4 p.m., but nothing after that. If you have more than two, you you can't take it. Oh, and you can't eat for two hours before you take it. So I'm a big night eater, <laughs> and I like to drink, but I'm like, no, my sleep is more important. My life and my sleep is more important. And you work so, so hard to get to finally get so that medication. I work so hard to get it. So I'm like, yeah, I'm like... <laughs> I'm willing to do that. And also I'll probably get skinny because probably all my calories are from alcohol and eating before bed. So there we go. (laughs) So I, about three weeks ago, I got my first shipment and, Mm. oh, and I was also worried about not being able to hear my son wake up Mm. um, because I would be in too deep a sleep. So basically what it does is it puts you into a deep restorative sleep. And that's, they think that because I can sleep for 18 hours is because my sleep doesn't cycle appropriately and it's not restorative. So Mm. I took it and I felt a hundred times better on the first day and it's been pretty, pretty smooth sailing every, you know, it's only been three weeks, but it's been, it's truly, truly, truly amazing. And it's totally changed my life. And I'm just very excited. I think the fact that the process was so, so hard and that it took all this research and years and years, like every, you know, this getting to this point where I feel good has been what probably 18 years of work now and 18 years of this and now I know I'm not lazy so that's really good you know my mom for years has been like let's go hiking let's do all this stuff I'm like mom I can't I'm too tired and now I'm like oh you know I can do these things I I I promise I actually wanted to do them but so that's been really neat I you know I'm um I've been walking every day taking my son on long walks and taking him to the park and uh, I lost 12 pounds this month just because my body's like oh okay we can work with this food you're giving us now okay we you know I can be healthy so I'm not really actively trying to lose weight but I am more active and that's helping and um and it's and the other thing is it's not hard to wake up after that first dose I my body it goes out of my system my body like is like oh I wake up look at the clock take it and it's, I don't even have to set an alarm so hmm. um so it's been a very 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 long journey but I don't know, I'm in a really good place right now so I'm I'm very very happy good what advice would you give to somebody who's in their beginning stages let's say someone listens to this Um, And this is the whole idea of doing these interviews is because I want people to hear real stories from real people Mm -hmm. and I want them to be able to recognize symptoms that they might have Mm -hmm. and be able to ask the right questions. Uh, Advice from you now from someone who's listening, who's kind of thinking, I think I might have that problem. Um, If if you can some, and I'm sure they already have the help from even just what you've said already, but yeah. to specifically be able to help them not have to spend 18 years right. to get their yeah. diagnosis, would there be anything Definitely. you haven't already talked about that you could specifically say? Definitely. Yeah. So I'm really into second opinions now, mm-hmm. like even good doctors. So this, the, my sec, my first sleep doctor, I wish I would have dumped her long ago. The second sleep doctor was wonderful. And I honestly feel guilty that I don't see him anymore, but he couldn't give me what I need. And he was far away, but he, but he was amazing. So, um, 
never hesitate to get a second opinion, even if you feel guilty about leaving your awesome sleep doctor. <laughs> um, always get us if you go to your primary and they and you say I need a sleep study and they're like no well I think it's just because you're a mom and you have kids that's what that's what a lot of people get well you're a mom you're busy if uh get a second opinion go somewhere that will give you a sleep study like it's it's ridiculous that they're not doing them more often um and the if no one will give you a sleep study there's home sleep studies that you can get um, where you pay out of pocket. They're not quite as accurate but usually they can rule out sleep apnea or tell you have sleep apnea with that and there's a couple different places you can get those. I actually need to put them on the resource page on my site, but one um, it's called Lofta. And then another one is Jason. I think he's at free CPAP um, He does home sleep studies that you, like they send them, you pay, I think they're, I think Lofta does only cash, but it's only, it's under uh, maybe like $300 or something. So, and then the other thing that, is very, very, very important if you get diagnosed with sleep apnea and you're still tired is that you don't stop treating it. I think a lot of people say, well, I'm tired and I got CPAP, but it didn't work, so I stopped. But Mm -hmm. even if it doesn't work, it's still, I mean, obviously check in with your doctor to look at your pressure, make sure your data is showing that you're not having events all night. But if you have a secondary sleep disorder and you have sleep apnea and you're not treating your sleep apnea, they will never, ever take you seriously. If I went in and I'm like, well, I don't feel like using CPAP, then I'm, but I'm still tired. They, they laugh in your face. Because, of course, it's probably like, well, then the sleep apnea is causing it. It's definitely a possibility that it's a secondary sleep disorder. But you absolutely have to be 100% compliant on with CPAP um, or other treatments. I am honestly, I am fine with whatever people want to use as long as they're doing a follow-up sleep study to ensure that it works. Okay. So with CPAP, you use the CPAP and it, it can track all night. You're, it can give you your data. It can tell you if it's working or it's not working. It tells you if you're having apnea events. With a dental device, you don't have that. So if hmm. you decide to try an alternative treatment and you're like, this works, ask for a follow-up sleep study to ensure that it's working. Same with even weight loss. So weight loss doesn't always cure sleep apnea, but it can. Hmm. Not always. I think that's very important. Some people say, I lost weight. I don't need CPAP anymore. If you're going to stop using CPAP, get a follow-up sleep study and make sure that that's okay. Cause it's hard. It's hard to catch it. You know, mm-hmm. like it's hard to know if your cure is or treatment is working or not, unless it's CPAP because it's so handy and it gives you all the data. So <laughs> I really think a lot of people just need to change their mindset. I mean, I know it's hard. Sleep apnea can be hard, but um, I think a lot, I, I wonder how much of it is just the stigma and the negative mindset about CPAP. It's been so frustrating about, sleep apnea is everyone assumes that I want to get rid of my CPAP. Hmm. Everyone's like, oh, well, if you do this, you won't have to use CPAP anymore. Well, if you lose weight, you won't have to do CPAP anymore. Well, if you get this dental device, you won't have to use CPAP anymore. And I'm like, I like my CPAP. Hmm. Obviously, I have a whole blog (laughs) dedicated to it. I'm a CPAP So, (laughs) yeah, like, it's changed my life. It makes me not want to die. Like, I think that that really bothers me. That's, That's been very frustrating. I want people to be able to connect with you. Where can they find okay. you? Um, yes. How can they connect with you? Social media? Website? So I am at cpapbabes.com. <laughs> so cpapbabes.com is my blog. Um, and it, mostly in, Instagram's the best place to connect with me. Um, I'm behind. Now I'm feeling better. I'm finally catching 
Yep, but I do do CPAP Babe of the Week on my blog. Mm. This week it's actually, so it's Amy Poehler this week because <laughs> Amy Poehler uses CPAP. Uh, we'll have to go read the entry. I read this article with her from 2014 where she said, I don't use my CPAP, it sits in the closet. I'm like, girl, and I angry tweeted her a couple times. <laughs> but um, she actually recently started using it more and is like preaching about it. So I made her Babe of the Week this week. But um, <laughs> And she I'm used very it behind. in her, so she used it in her movie. Uh, was you, it wine yeah. country? I remember she it's, had a that's CPAP. Actual machine. CPAP. <laughs> that's, that's so amazing. Cool. I'm just so uh, I'm just I just remember reading that old article and I was like, oh, she's the worst CPAP babe. I'm not, you know, <laughs> and I'm just really thankful she's come around. So I, I don't know if she'll see it, but she said in this article now she says, and I use my CPAP. I want to win a CPAP award. I'm like, well, now you have Amy Fuller, so hopefully <laughs> right. someone someone alerts her about this. Um, and I am on Twitter, Twitter and Facebook. I'm not there quite as much, um, but Instagram's usually the best place. Um, but with with updating my blog, I've been very behind because I haven't been feeling well with the IH. So now I'm finally getting back into it. And I have, um, I am on YouTube, and my videos are like the lowest possible production value. But <laughs> if you want to hear me talk and see some bad lighting and bad audio, you can go there. <laughs> I actually have some followers, so that's actually very flattering. Um, and then. I was going to say one other thing, but I can't. Oh, um, I did. I actually did a video, um, a pretty big video with a big company that is on the Internet that, um, well, I can't say yet, but that should be coming out soon. And um, there's also a video at the ResMed website, resmed.com slash air mini, where you can see. And that's actually a good production value video because <laughs> we have the professional drone. That's that is a. Um, a commercial for the air mini and I did get, we, I got the free machine in exchange. So, but I do like the machine. So, so yeah, that's where you can find me. CPAP and I'm CPAP babes everywhere. Cool. Well, I think my son is probably awake from his nap. So. Oh, perfect. And I'm just going to go down for mine. Oh God. I'm <laughs> it's perfect I'm so timing. <laughs> oh, well, let's keep in touch. Thank okay. you so much. I'm excited. This has been the Calm and Cozy Podcast. Thank you as always for listening, my beautiful bedtime thinkers. Until next time, sleep well and stay cozy. And to my mom who listens to my podcast every night as she falls asleep. Good night, mama.